Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Thursday, March 24th, 2022, and welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb, and coming up on today's episode, we've got a couple of cool guests coming on the pod from Driveline to tell us about their work with Dylan Tate over the past few off-seasons and how that could translate to his bigger role in the Orioles' bullpen in 2022. Anthony Brady and Bill Heasel from Driveline will be joining us in just a second for an all-Dylan Tate episode here as we get closer and closer to opening day. So that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles. Your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So joining us today, as you can see here, is Bill Heasel. He is the director of pitching at Driveline Baseball and Anthony Brady, who is the director of sports science at Driveline. And both you guys, first of all, uh, thank you so much for uh, kind of hopping on both of you here on this podcast. We can talk some Dylan Tate. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for the opportunity. Uh, excited to always talk about biomechanics when I can. So, yeah, yeah, Sam. Excited, uh, excited to be on. Thanks for having us. Yeah, and so uh, you know, we've we've seen you know, and a lot of Orioles fans have seen the the work that Dylan's been doing, and you guys at Driveline have done a great job of promoting that work and and you know making it easy to kind of figure out. Especially you know, Anthony, you're right up. You know, that's a lot of stuff that I think is over a lot of people's heads, but I think you did a good job of helping me and other Orioles fans kind of understand what is going into Dylan's offseason work. So first, I'm just going to leave this to both of you. Kind of how did the relationship with Dylan Tate start? When did he start coming to driveline and, and how has that progressed over the years? Yeah, Bill, I'll, I'll let you take that one. Yeah, um, a couple years ago, he honestly just randomly reached out to us about – coming out and for an assessment and just kind of um, seeing if we could help him with some of his throwing program stuff. And it was mostly just a random inquiry um, that he had some interest and he heard about us and stuff. And um, I reached out to him, we coordinated him coming out. And, and actually when he came out, his intention was for us to, you know, kind of help him with his entire off season at the time. Um, I had convinced him to come out sooner than he was expecting and, and start throwing a little bit sooner. Um, I kind of laid out a plan for, for what I think we want to accomplish in that first off season. Um, and he came out, assessed, spent that entire off season with us. I think he came out maybe in December, that first off season. Yeah. Um, and it went really, really great. Obviously the results, uh, in that first season were, were pretty good in terms of achieving what our goals were. And then he's just come back every year and it's been a, a relationship that I've had with him for, for the past couple off seasons. And, um, and now he comes out, you know, basically the as soon as the season's over, you know, I give him a week or two to kind of relax and, and cool down and, and, you know, not think about baseball. And then usually I'll shoot him a text, check in on him, see how he's doing. Or uh, as this past off season, he'll just randomly text me and tell me I'll be in the gym tomorrow. Um, so, um, yeah, it's kind of started with just a random inquiry. The interest was on his end, um, you know, and, and wanting to you know explore what we were all about. And the relationship just kind of grown from there. Yeah, and, and Anthony, for you, you know, when when a pitcher like Dylan comes in and, and how do you go about, you know, forming your relationship with him as well? And then kind of identifying how you can help on the the biomechanical and the, and the sports science side. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's always great to get a, um, a big leaguer in the gym and kind of like add them into our database early on. It was a lot harder to understand, um, these sort of like mechanical adaptations and what we're looking for in the biomechanics report, uh, because we didn't have enough data points on these like high level elite throwers. But, you know, fortunately over the last, um, four or five years that we've had the lab, we've been able to work with some of the best throwers in the world. Um, you know, multiple big leaguers, uh, and, and professionals, not only here, uh, in the U S but we've gotten to work with a bunch of NPB teams. We've gone down to the Dominican. So we've been able to build up this, this internal database and data set of all these high level throwers. And that's what we kind of work around with the biomechanics data. So, you know, when Dylan comes in, we're just trying to get the most accurate picture of, of how he moves on the mound. So we're trying to quantify all of that. And then we take the way that he moves and we compare it against kind of our internal database of those other high level throwers. And we we're able to say, okay, look, we know you're already throwing this hard. Uh, we know that this is how you move. We've seen versions uh, of you before that, that move with these like similar characteristics that you have. And we think that the, the ceiling can get a little higher if we try to make these sort of adaptations. Um, and then we kind of just uh, run the, that test cycle again later on to see what actually changed and then give him the feedback. Um, and early on, it's honestly really easy when, when working with the athletes. There's not that much of a relationship building that I have to work with because it's just cold, hard numbers. You know, I'm not trying to sell them anything. There's no subjective uh, coach's bias or anything. Um, I'm just kind of instructing him and the athletes on like, here's how you move. These are the actual numbers. Like there's, there's no BS here. Uh, and here's where we kind of want to get you to. And so when you show them something that is, that actionable and that tangible that's like right there in front of them that they understand i think it's just really easy they they appreciate it you know more times than not um because a lot of these guys they've been dealing with coaches or or trainers previously who will watch them in a bullpen and maybe give them a recommendation to move a certain way uh and they just don't know if it's true so it, it makes it definitely makes my my part of the job a lot easier yeah, and and you know you look at a guy like like Dylan Tate, who I would not say at all is kind of like the cookie cutter wind up guy on the mound. You know, he's he's a taller guy, he's a skinnier guy, he's got a lot of things moving uh, in different directions at times. So, Anthony, when you look at that, and I know in the piece you identified, you know, the arm action and the shoulder separation is kind of mm -hmm. the big things for Dylan, and he's a guy where there's a lot of moving pieces going on. So. How did you key in on kind of those two big factors? And the other part of that question is, you know, how well uh, did he take that in and, and, you know, apply it to himself? Because you obviously have to buy in from the pitcher as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Ind individuality is um, obviously one of the biggest things that we, that we always kind of try to uh, preach here when we're working with guys. We want to let them move how they like to move and we don't want to um, cookie cutter anyone. It sounds kind of counterintuitive when you think about it. Um, you know, because we have all these models of how people move and then we maybe make suggestions, but in no way is it, we have this like, you know, gold standard movement profile that we, that we have, and we just apply it to everyone more. So <clears throat> we have a bunch of, uh, internal models and algorithms that kind of like balance out and weight certain metrics based on the way that you move in certain areas. So. Um, an athlete that throws just as hard as Dylan, but maybe with a different mechanics profile is going to get different suggestions. So fortunately over the years, we've been able to kind of like 
amass this this large database that makes a lot of those decisions for us. You know, like it gives us um, the outputs of, hey, this is going to be the most optimal way that, that we think your mechanics can improve. Um, and we haven't always been right. You know, we've we've had uh, decisions and models that, that maybe didn't um, make the right mechanics uh, recommendation. And that's how we've kind of like learned along the way, updating that. Um, and we've been able to hone in on those those kind of like finer tuned things that, that really are missing in certain athletes. And so when we were looking at Dylan's, um, the, the shoulder horizontal abduction was a big one. The hip shoulder separation and trunk positions were the other ones. Those are, those are typically pretty major ones uh, in a lot of guys, but we, we definitely identified those as the biggest, you know, uh, value we were going to get early on. Cause it's really easy when you're looking at so much biomechanical data to want to, try to fix everything or, or get a laundry list of stuff. And that can be overwhelming for the athlete, especially if they haven't worked with biomechanical data or, or seen a mocap report before. So it, it's much easier to digest it as, look, there's, there's one or two, maybe even three things that we're really going to work on. Here's how it's going to affect your mechanics. And let's focus on that. Let's retest and then see how it kind of improved, what changed, and then go from there. Yeah. I wanted to, to turn it over to Bill because, you know, a lot of pitching coaches might you know, see with the naked eye, oh, you know, there's something different happening with your shoulder here that than it has happened before. But obviously to the next level with what Anthony is doing, what you guys are doing at driveline, I mean, you're breaking it down with diagrams and and you know, kind of the the skeleton outline overlays that were in the article as well, where you can see exactly how something is a little bit different. So when it comes, you know, back over to your side, how are you implementing those things to show Dylan and, you know, talk about what this change could do for him, but also know that you know, he's still a human being on the mound and in, you know, 60 seconds, he can't make that exact change. Yeah. Uh, I mean, fortunately, um, in, in Dylan's case, he, he works unbelievably hard. He's one of, you know, I've been lucky enough to work with quite a few big leaguers at this point. And, um, he's one of a handful that I've had the chance to work with that. Um, if you just watch him go about his business, he takes, every throw that he makes, every single thing that he does in the gym is really intentful. Um, there's a lot of conscious effort behind everything he does. He doesn't waste any throws. Um, and that's pretty rare. Um, because if you're familiar with how we train guys, uh, you know, one of the you know primary ways we get better at throwing is to throw. So we throw, uh, probably more than you would expect if you were to walk into like a, you know, a normal Academy or, or training facility. So, um, you know, as is always the case with pitching, there can be some, uh, you know, monotony to it. You know, you're just making a lot of throws and Dylan just spends a huge amount of effort every single throw, um, regardless of the intensity. Um, and that's really, really important. But in terms of going back to your question, the most important thing is, uh, trying to work backwards from the on-field stuff. So, um, we always try to figure out what is the lowest hanging fruit? What is the thing that can impact on-field results the greatest amount? Um, and the reality is for a lot of athletes, that just is velocity. Um, you know, just throwing harder is going to help them acquire more outs. And that's really what we're trying to do. Um, but in Dylan's case, that's evolved over the years that we've worked together. You know, in the first year, that really was the lowest hanging fruit. You know, he was a guy that threw pretty hard in high school and in college obviously went in the first round and was an upper nineties, you know, nearly touching a hundred guy. And then his first year uh, in the big leagues was 92, 93. Um, and, you know, it bounced around with some different teams and some trades and 
Um, so really priority one was kind of restoring that and getting the velocity back uh, to above league average. And, and that was really the lowest hanging fruit. If we could just get him to throw harder, he was going to acquire more outs. But like I said, that's evolved um, over the years. And we always try to work backwards, like I said, from what the on-field result is. And then we tie that to um, the motion capture stuff, right? So if we're trying to get an athlete to throw harder, uh, then we just want to identify in, in the, the movement metrics, what are the things we can improve that will have the greatest impact on velocity? Uh, so uh, we have a pretty good idea of what those things are. Um, we run correlations on those things all the time. So we know, hey, these metrics correlate pretty well with velocity. So if one or more of those areas are lacking specifically, then we're going to structure a drill package around those things. Um, and that's really what we focus on with Dylan is, hey, these are the drills we're going to do. We think these drills are going to influence these metrics the most. Um, here's the cues and, and the way we're going to set the drills up. And from there, it's just using the radar gun as feedback um, and trying to move better through the drills and execute the drill with the highest proficiency you can. Um, and then the drills really take care of the work. Um, and using the radar gun as feedback is probably one of the, the primary ways. And it's something that Dylan is really, really good at. He understands that the radar gun is extremely important, not just for like high output, high intensity days, but even for modern intensity days. He knows where he should be. He knows if he's going too hard, if he's going too soft. Um, but more importantly, he knows that if he moves better, regardless of the throwing intensity, the velocity is going to go up. Um, so he's, he's just very in tune to that now at this point. So uh, really, it's just applying the right drill set to influence the movements that we want and then letting the athlete do the work. Yeah, I want to let Anthony jump back in here one more time because I know you got to hop out in a second. But, you know, just in, in terms of Dylan, you know, you, you talk about, you know, everything that you had identified first and, and knowing that you have to pinpoint a couple things because you can't, as you said, just throw everything at an athlete, you know, the first time you meet with them. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you've helped with the arm action, helped with the shoulder separation, the velocity is up and, and the results have shown, you know, so when you look at Dylan, is there kind of like a, a next thing or, or something else that as you continue to look at the data, like, all right, he's mastered this, the velo is up. And now as we continue to work, like here comes something new for Dylan Tate. Yeah, yeah, I think that's um, that's kind of what the the athlete uh, always wants. You know, they they uh, they kind of like move their ceiling up or, or reach this new area that they're they're throwing in, and they're like, okay, now what's what's kind of the next fix? Um, and really, we just uh, try to repeat the same cycle uh, over and over again, more more or less, right? So the next, um, you know, he I don't even think in the write up I talked about anything that we did from uh, last off season to this season, but we'll do the same thing again next year where we get another mocap report and we can kind of see uh, how we sort of fluctuated in terms of, of movement patterns and try to identify like, okay, maybe, maybe we think there's a little more we can get uh, if we try this. And that's really the value at the elite level that um, these, these biomechanical assessments have is we, we start to build up, you know, in Dylan's case, we have three years right now after next year, we'll have four where we have a data point every single year of exactly how we moved that year. And so uh, whether velocity fluctuates positively or negatively, we're going to be able to put the pieces together for what we think happened and maybe why the velocity went up or why it went down. And again, our, our internal models are just going to keep developing as we get to work with more and more athletes. So we'll get a better idea of, hey, yeah, maybe there's something else we can get um, here. I will say, and I, I'm sure Bill can 
talk to this a lot more that uh, early on, we definitely realized that like on the mechanic side and movement movement side, there was huge upside and potential velocity. And um, while there wasn't as much of that uh, potential or opportunity this year, it was just like outscaled by the opportunities on, you know, work that the bill specifically got to do with things like pitch design, uh, intended zones tracking and, and stuff there. So, you know, the athlete can only work on so much in a certain off season. So we're, it, it's not always like biomechanics and velocity is the most important. Usually that is one of the first ones. And then once we have that, we start to see like, where are the largest gains that we can get and, and what should we focus on? So we thank Anthony Brady for joining us, the Driveline Baseball Director of Sports Science. And we'll get back to chatting a little bit more with Bill Heasel, uh, the Director of Pitching at Driveline, in just a second. But, you know, we're talking Dylan Tate here today. And, uh, you know, Dylan Tate, uh, he's going to play a big role in this Orioles bullpen this season. And we'll see if he can help the O's maybe eclipse a win total, which is set at 62.5 wins by betonline.net. And if you're looking for any of your sports wagering needs this season, especially here during March Madness, head over to betonline.net. They've got everything as the NCAA basketball tournament gets into the Sweet 16. They've also got the NBA. They've got hockey. They, of course, got Major League Baseball coming up soon. So head over to betonline.net for all the scores, all the action. You can get podcasts over there. You can get the latest news. And you can play Vegas casino games right from your computer as well. So get in on all the action and more at betonline.net. So we're back here with Bill Heasel, the Driveline Baseball Director of Pitching. Again, we thank Anthony Brady for joining us as well. And Bill, you know, we're talking about all of this data collection and, you know, all, all of this information that, that you get with Dylan. And we've talked about how you kind of sparse it out with an athlete as well. But wanted to ask a little bit more about, you know, Dylan's side of it a little bit and just him as a pitcher, because we saw a lot of improvement in 2021 from 2020 for him. But you know, strikeout rates were a little bit down and walk rates were a little bit up for Dylan in 2021. But it was interesting because he actually pitched more high leverage roles in the Orioles bullpen this year. So, you know, what kind of has been his goal? Because it seems as if the stuff continues to get better, but it isn't leading to strikeouts. And I just wonder if you had thoughts on that, he had thoughts on that and kind of what the, the goal is there. Yeah, honestly, uh, I think you hit the nail right on the head is, is what the kind of two primary objectives were for for this offseason in particular um you know we mentioned the motion capture stuff and just how he was moving and you know we felt like he was moving in a good spot um we felt like the velocity is is more than than adequate we'd like to see the floor come up maybe that that average come up uh because it's just always climbing league wide anyway and you know throwing harder is is better plus being a sinker guy i think there's like a, a little bit of a threshold there where uh you know you got to throw that pitch pretty hard for it to be pretty successful. Um, and, you know, always throwing harder is, is better, but really the goal for this, this off season was to sit down and, and figure out, Hey, how can we improve command and what can we do? How can we maybe tweak the arsenal uh, to increase the, the swing and miss rate? Um, because if you look at his arsenal going into this year, um, it really was, you know, he's a sinker ball guy. It's just designed for, for weaker contact. You know, his slider shape was kind of sluttery, you know, cuttery type shape, um, you know, and then the sinker and he just really didn't have an offering that, uh, you know, was was big enough maybe to get swings and misses. You know, one of the things he mentioned to me when we met first in the offseason about a slider was it was just like it just doesn't have enough sweep or depth. 
and it was hard for me to back foot it if I wanted to, to like a left-hander. It was hard for me to like spike it or something like that um, because, you know, it was really like three inches of lift and like three inches of sweep. So a smaller, harder shape, which again, got really good results, um, but not a lot of swing and miss. And that's kind of how his arsenal is constructed, right? The sinker, the changeup. Um, we introduced a four-seamer that he uses sparingly, you know, two years ago. But the reality is when you're in higher lever spots like he was this past year, you just have to miss bats. Um, you know, it's tough to be a reliever in this league um, because, you know, you could come in and, you know, you could not give up a hit and give up a run, you know, depending on, on the situation that you come in. So uh, the value of a strikeout is, is really, really high. Um, and we just wanted to see if we could do something with his arsenal that would allow him to, you know, potentially strike out more guys. Um, and where we started was just trying to lengthening, lengthen out the breaking ball. So we spent a lot of time this offseason really transforming a slider from something that was really, really small in shape to something that was much bigger and seeing if we could keep uh, enough velocity on it for it to play. Uh, we didn't want to increase it too much, and then all of a sudden he's throwing you know, a 77-mile-an-hour slider. That, that's not going to work. Um, the results were, were pretty good. We feel like that's in a pretty decent spot. We'll, we'll certainly see the ultimate test is going to come here in a, in a couple weeks. Um, and then what we also did is kind of tried to keep the slider that he had last year and morph that more into a cutter. So give him something, uh, that he can throw behind an account that doesn't move a ton that he could hopefully command pretty well, because that's the other thing that I think, uh, sometimes gets overlooked when you're talking about command is, you know, with Dylan outside of that slider, you know, his sinker and his changeup are just running arm side, 17, 18, 19 inches. His pitches move a lot. Uh, so they're just naturally going to be tougher to command. Um, now we want to command them better, obviously, and that's something that we worked on, but, uh, giving him something that doesn't move a ton that he can throw really hard, that he can throw behind in the count and, and locate was also a priority. So his arsenal actually is going to look probably pretty different this year. Um, and hopefully is now constructed in a way to, to increase strikeouts, which is really what we want to, to do. And then the other stuff that we did was on the command side of things. Um, we started really with just more intentful catch play and just making sure that any time he threw any implement, whether it was a baseball, a weighted ball, plyo ball, he was just always throwing to a target all the time. Um, cause we wanted to try to passively work on it, um, and see if we can make improvements in command without really doing a ton of targeted command work. And then on top of that, we did some intended zone tracking. So uh, basically we just tracked every time he threw a bullpen or something like that, uh, the intended location of the pitch and then where it actually ended up. And what you can do when you do that is you can measure the miss distance in inches. Um, and then you can give that feedback to the athlete, which is really the first step in training. Anything is being able to quantify something and, and give them that feedback. So you would have feedback like that and he'd be able to know like, okay, my average missed distance on my sinker in 2021 was this, I'm trying to get it under this. And he would just have that feedback um, quite frequently when he threw. Um, and then sometimes we would track it and, and either not share it with him if it was good, only share it with him when it was, when it was, uh, when it was, you know, below average or whatever. But those are really the two primary things we worked on and spent a bunch of time on. Uh, we still had some drills implemented, you know, to kind of target some, some movement inefficiencies or some things we found on the motion capture stuff. But honestly, that was kind of secondary this off season to kind of revamping the arsenal and, and hopefully improving command. Um, I think it's a little bit too early, obviously to tell is 
looks like his first live BP outing was really, really good. Um, his, you know, first uh, spring training game looked fine. Um, again, it's, you know, it's two innings. It's a really, really small sample. So we'll have to see, but um, yeah, I'm excited to see how things shake out. Yeah. You got a uh, two, two non-televised innings, I believe in spring training, which is uh, I don't think the sample size that we're going off of yet, but uh, yeah, yeah, that's for sure. It's definitely got to be easy too to you know you talk about Dylan reaching out to you guys. I mean, you already have an athlete there who is ready to buy in to what is going on at Driveline, which has got to make your guys' job even easier when you're kind of throwing these things at him and and curating them for them that he's already pretty bought in. But the, the last thing I, I wanted to ask you, Bill, is is you know you touched on this a little bit right there. Um, is just you know when you watch him throughout the season, we obviously know he's a he's a shoe in. He's on he's going to be on the Orioles opening day roster. He's going to be a big part of this bullpen. We'll see what the role is. You know the O's haven't really run with a true closer the last couple of years, uh, but he'll surely be in high leverage spots. And he's shown he can go multiple innings as well. So when you're looking at him this year, and I know you'll be you'll be looking at how that kind of revamped Arsenal looks like. How will you? evaluate him throughout the year and i'm sure you know there'll already be at some point eyes on to all right you know what what comes up next off season but what would that evaluation look like for dylan tate like what kind of things are you trying to check off when you know you watch him get into the groove of you know 60 almost 70 innings last year he'll probably have a similar workload this year yeah to, to touch on the buy-in thing too i mean uh I, I definitely think what has helped is because of how hard dylan works i He's one of the athletes that I, I give quite a bit of autonomy to. So during our training in the offseason, um, rather than just scripting out every single thing that he's going to do, which some athletes like, some athletes prefer that and trust me or our staff enough to do that and they want that. Um, but someone like Dylan really just thrives with some autonomy. He has really good feel for his body and how he's feeling one day versus the next. So I try to give him quite a bit of autonomy uh, each day. And I think that helps a ton with the buy-in stuff because he feels like he's in control of, of what he's doing just as much as, as me or anyone else on our staff. And that's really important. Um, I think you also touched on, or I didn't mention one of the other things we really worked on was just trying to get his throwing fitness really, really high. The other thing we saw last year is he have like, I don't know, seven or eight straight outings where he was really, really good. Then one or two, not so good. And then he'd go on another streak where he's really, really good. So um, we wanted to try to just, you know, hack that, uh, I guess, by, uh, throwing a little bit more than we did in the previous off seasons, trying to really push throwing fitness, making sure that his arm was really, really resilient so he could handle the workload. That, that's the other thing too, to consider last year. I mean, it was really his first full season in the, in the big leagues. And he ended up like leading the team, I think in appearances or tied for the team lead in, in innings pitch out of the pen. So it's a pretty large workload jump for him. And we wanted to try to you know counteract that this year. Or, or this past year. But um, in terms of how I'll evaluate things, it's tough, man, because uh, the game is just really hard. You know, if there's one thing I've learned probably more than anything over the past year or two working with, you know, uh, you know, a handful of big leaguers on a, on a regular basis and during the season, it's just the game is really, really hard. It's really hard to be good. And you could have really good stuff and get bad results. You could have bad, you know, stuff and get good results. I mean, the game is just really, really difficult. So, uh, I, I typically try to take a very, very objective view of how I evaluate things and just look and see, are the things that we wanted to accomplish, did, did we accomplish those? So are we throwing a slider that is the shape that we want at the velocity that we want on a regular basis? Is, is our average slider what our target was? 
is our average cutter of what our target was. Uh, our pitch usage is roughly where we think they should be. Um, and then our, is our miss distance on our pitches reduced from the previous year? Uh, I think those are the things I'm going to focus on because they're just very objective. Um, they filter through, you know, any luck and chance and clutter. But also, in theory, if, if Dylan does those things, just like any pitcher, uh, the results will, you know, hopefully kind of take care of themselves. So I think those are kind of be the ways that I, I evaluate things. Obviously, we want to strike out more guys. We want to walk less guys. Um, but it's it's just tough, you know, especially in the AL East. I mean, it's it's a pretty difficult uh, division to pitch in. Um, you know, it's only getting harder. Um, so I'm just really excited to see um, him go out and throw. And, um, yeah, I'll try to take as, as an objective view as possible because that's honestly what he's going to want when he comes into Salami next offseason. He's going to want a very honest and very objective view of what are the things I think he needs to work on to get better. Um, and then we can put our head down and go to work on them. So. Yeah, you know, it's not going to get any easier every night for Dylan Tate. You mentioned Judge one night, Guerrero, Wander Franco, you know, Xander Bogarts. They continue to, to, to come up every single night in this division. Uh, but he stepped up with that huge workload last year. And uh, we're hoping to to see that success again and, and the new arsenal as well. And I tried to start the uh, Dylan Tate for Orioles closer campaign last summer. Uh, we'll see how that goes early this year. But Bill, thank you so much for coming on. A lot of good info here uh, from you and Anthony as well uh, about Dylan Tate and his work at uh, Driveline and wish you uh, continued success there. And uh, thanks again for coming on the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for for having us. It was, it was great. Hopefully we can, uh, we can jump back on at some point, you know, maybe uh, in the second half of the year if he's uh, He's locked on a closer roller, he's carving or something. Yeah, that's what uh, that's what we're hoping for. But we thank again uh, Bill Heasel, the director of pitching at Driveline Baseball. Also, Anthony Brady, who joined us earlier as well, director of sports science there at Driveline as well. Remember to subscribe to the Locked on Orioles YouTube channel right here. You can continue to watch episodes like this. Hit that red subscribe button right there. And again, we'll be back tomorrow with another episode uh, looking through some Orioles spring training news and notes, some headlines, and uh, start to take a look at what the 28-man opening day roster could look like. I'll tell you one thing, Dylan Tate will definitely be on it. But thank you so much for watching. We'll be back tomorrow. Until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.